Welcome to Views from Stadium Boulevard. I'm Harley Johnson. And I'm Hannah Harshi. And we're back for another week of your favorite Michigan sports podcast. And this week, do we have a treat for you? We have a special guest, Abby Telgenhoff. She is a writer for the Michigan Daily, a senior at Michigan. She covers Michigan's men's basketball. So we interviewed her asking about her opinion on this Michigan men's basketball team, basically everything you need to know. And she is so cool. You guys are going to love this episode. Her, she's just like, she's meant to be on a podcast. The way she phrases things, she just like, she explains everything so well. So true. I had a great time and I hope you all do as well. Let's get into it. Yeah, so my name's Abby, um, and I'm a senior here at the University of Michigan, and currently I'm the men's basketball, one of the men's basketball beat writers, and a senior editor at the Michigan Daily, um, which it was kind of totally random how I fell into that role. Um, I joined the Daily as a freshman after reading some chalk on the sidewalk somewhere (laughs) that told me to go to a meeting, so I went to a meeting, and started covering sports, quickly fell in love with it, and kind of worked my way through the ranks up to men's basketball. Um, Yeah, I mean, I've always been a Michigan fan. Uh, My dad went here, so I grew up really loving the school, and it was kind of always my dream to go here, so um, that's been super awesome, and yeah, that's that's me. That's awesome. Um, Quick question on that. Just like how because Michigan men's basketball, and I assume the football coverage as well, is super, like, competitive to get into. Like, how do you, like, kind of get into, like, starting that? Like, what is the process into, like, building yourself up into getting, like, one of those, like, coveted roles within the daily? Yeah, so as a freshman, I just kind of wrote about um, all different non-revenue sports, so, like, women's gymnastics and soccer and field hockey and sports I knew nothing about, um... And then the end of my freshman year, I interviewed for the softball beat, which I got. And then softball got canceled because of COVID. Um, But then the next year I came back and interviewed for women's basketball and did that for two years. And then this year decided I was going to try for men's. So kind of have started with some, uh, I guess, less um, intense beats and have worked my way up to this one now. You know, I do some writing for, like, soccer, and I'm doing rowing and golf, and I'm like, I don't know what this is, but, so, matter of respect for me. <laughs> it's a whole different ballgame, you know, when it's not one that you follow on the regular. Yeah, it's, they're so cool, though, and, you know, talking to anybody at this school is so incredible, because everyone, so like, all the coaches have such storied histories, and, yeah. Is it, like, a lot of pressure covering a sport like men's basketball, where there are intense fans who like I'm sure with the the non-revenue sports it has its own challenges because you're like one of the only ones covering that sport in the world or not you know only the one of the only ones covering that sport at Michigan in the world um but with men's basketball is that like how are the fans when they interact with you is that is that a different ball game than covering non-revenue sports Yeah, I've never really had, like, a bad interaction. I'd say that most, like, fan interaction happens on Twitter, um, which, like, all of us are on Twitter at The Daily, and, um, you know, all of our stories get tweeted out and everything. So I, like, I see replies to my stories and things, and someone just retweeted um, a film breakdown that I wrote yesterday. And, um, yeah, I've never had a bad interaction, but I know that, like, 
some people can be mean on Twitter. Um, Are you in the communications department? What are you studying? What do you want to do when you're done, your senior? Um, I'm kind of all over the place. I'm a double major in political science and communications, and I have a minor in education policy. So I thought that I wanted to be a journalist and then decided I didn't want to be a journalist and now want to work in education policy, hopefully. Yeah, that's cool. I was like the same way. Nice. I was in Kinnies and I was like, I want to be a journalist and everyone like wants to be like a physical therapist. And they're like, what are you doing here? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's really cool that you worked your way up at The Daily because at least in my experience, I thought The Daily was extremely intimidating. I tried to go to one of those meetings my freshman year and I was like, I don't belong here. <laughs> and I like <laughs> never came back. So that's impressive that you were able to work your way up like that. Thank you. It's something that as a senior now, I've especially as like a woman on the section, I've really tried to help out the younger women because walking into those meetings can be very intimidating. And, you know, covering wrestling when you're talking to like this hardcore male coach can be very intimidating. And so um, definitely, definitely something I've I've worked towards this year. Yeah, that's awesome. You should be very proud of yourself, honestly. <laughs> Thank you. That's like how I feel as well. I'm talking to like a soccer coach who has like been there for like over thirty years, and like I was like, oh man, I don't know how to like talk to this guy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just a nobody, and you just like winning championships and all sorts of stuff. I'm like, oh gosh. So a big part of what this podcast started out as is we were students at Michigan when we started it, and we would kind of give like a student perspective of how people are perceiving the games and what the on-campus um, like vibes are in terms of the different sports teams. And obviously, well, I don't know if it's obvious, neither of us are <laughs> in college anymore. And um, neither of us live in Michigan anymore. So we would love to hear your perspective on like how people are viewing this men's basketball team. Are people excited to go to games? Like, What's the atmosphere at Chrysler? Are people talking about men's basketball a lot? Or if people just kind of forgotten about it how are, what's the vibe right now yeah I mean I think um like within Chrysler like the maze rage fills up pretty much every game um Purdue uh last week was like the the best crowd I've seen this season um you know obviously against a, a top team mm -hmm. it's gonna be good but um they the maze rage fills up pretty much every game um I'd say like the vibe on campus is just like People are kind of sick of this like narrative happening again. Like it's the same thing that kind of happened last year. Like they're not great. They play okay. And then they play some terrible games and nobody just really knows what to make of this team. And I think especially coming off like the crazy football season we had where, you know, 13 and 0 and went to like the, the college football playoff, like that was such a high. And now this is the complete opposite people are just kind of confused i think okay good so it's not just us we're gonna yeah. get the same vibe from like different coasts <laughs> and i'm just like would we just be amongst the crowd and be like i don't know what to like do with myself like you go from such like you said like high energy to like this and it's just the whiplash between the two you probably like, don't really like know what to do yeah exactly exactly as a writer, like the there are four of us on the beat. We joke all the time that like we'll write something and then the next day something else will happen and we're like, okay, well that story we just wrote is completely obsolete now. Yeah, I'm sure. I feel like sports is a topic like even with this podcast, we can't batch episodes and record things ahead of time because 
it changes within minutes. It's so hard to be able to prepare for Especially anything. Especially with Michigan, too. It just seems like it's been crazy all year. Maybe we'll, like, just pivot to that, like, this beginning of the season and just kind of, like, do, like, a nice, like, recap for, like, someone, like, who has yet to watch Michigan this year or who just, like, stumbled upon them and needs to know everything about this team. Like, what are, like, three things that you think that people like need to know about this team? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing I would have anyone that hasn't covered or watched them at all, I would have them go and watch the loss to Central Michigan. I think that that game is just so indicative of what this mm-hmm. team is. Like, so confusing. Central is in the MAC, but they're, like, not even just that. They're one of the worst teams in the MAC, And so for Michigan to lose to them was, like, really confusing and just, you know, they were coming off of these, like, decent wins um against some pretty good teams and then you know they they lost to North Carolina they lost to Kentucky and they lost to Virginia but like those are great teams and they hung with them and then to to lose to Central in that fashion was was quite interesting interesting Um, is a good way to put it (laughs) yeah we were that one was at Chrysler and we were sitting up in the press rows and I just remember like looking down at the other writers and being like what is happening like I don't know I don't know what to write off of this so true that's what I like always like feel like stunted by is like when you have something like that I'm like I don't know what to Mm -hmm. say especially when you're like doing it from the perspective of like a Michigan fan and you're just like ooh, I need to say something nice but also like (laughs) what are you doing losing to the likes of Central Michigan yeah when you know you're supposed to be like one of the best teams in the in the country exactly yeah um the second thing I would I would tell somebody is that there's no true senior on the team which is just kind of unheard of for a college team the only senior like true senior is Jackson Salvala who is a team manager turned player and has seen like a minute or two on the floor this season so they're really relying on players like Hunter and Terrence Williams to kind of bring that veteran experience and some leadership. And then they had the two graduate cards come in in um, Jalen Llewellyn, who tore his ACL and is no longer playing. Um, and then Joey Baker, who was a five-star recruit out of high school and was like so highly touted, went to Duke and just like hasn't really lived up to his potential and isn't really doing so at Michigan either. And so just like the upperclassmen, leadership, experience is lacking. And I think you, I think that's pretty evident mm-hmm. watching them on the floor. I didn't really consider that because, you know, I think like everyone always talks about like juniors are like technically like the upperclassmen, but even then in themselves, they're, like you said, you always have like the veterans on the team, like either seniors or fifth years and just to like be like unguided like that. I feel like it's new territory for the team especially because I think we were discussing at hand um, how, like, uh, this is, like, the first probably full team, I think, that are just, like, all Juwan Howard's guys, and it's, like, interesting to see, like, the different, like, dynamic between within the team itself. Yeah, definitely. There's there's no one left from the, the B-line era. Um, player-wise, there's, like, a few assistant coaches left, I think. Um, but, yeah, and then in the past few years, they've had these graduate point guards that have, like, taken over Mike Smith and Xavier Simpson and everything, and mm-hmm. they thought they were going to have that again in Jalen, and then he got hurt, so now it's a freshman, like, leading the offense, and, um, you know, Hunter and Terrence are juniors, and Hunter has played, like, a lot, but 
Terrence didn't start last year. Like, he didn't have much playing time. And so for him to be, like, one of these focal points of the team, it just wasn't wasn't a recipe for success from the beginning. So I know this wasn't the question we asked you, but just going off of that, how much do you think this team's lack of success so far this year speaks to Juwan Howard as a coach? And how much is it just natural because it's an extremely young team and almost a rebuilding year? Yeah, I think that's like the question on everyone's mind right now. I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter and heard a lot of chatter on campus of like, is this Juwan's last year? Uh, does he does he get a contract extension? Um, I don't know where he's at in his contract right now, but um, yeah, like I said earlier, like this is the first season with no beeline players. I think Hunter was like one of the last ones that beeline recruited, but then he never played for him. Um, so it's definitely... It's definitely the conversation being had right now. Um, I don't think I don't think Juwan's a bad coach by any means, but I think they've they've definitely got some stuff to figure out. For sure. Was there anything else you wanted to say about the bringing people up to speed if they didn't know about this team? Yeah, I would just say like the third thing is just Jet Howard in general. Um, I haven't mentioned him yet. Um, you know, obviously as Juwan's son, like him coming in, that was a, a huge topic of conversation of like is he good at all or is he just playing because he's his son and he's turned out to be pretty good and like he got injured last week but then came back against Penn State and had like a career high 20 something points and um he's been like a a really good focal point for the team and there's there's a lot of discussion about whether he declares for the draft after this season and um I think he's like a bright spot for them definitely so true that's what we've been saying as well he's he's probably been like the best thing to watch on the team definitely kind of feel bad for hunter because he's like you know been the focal point for the last like three seasons but jet howard has just been on like another level and i think it's what's so frustrating is like seeing like jet howard and like hunter dickinson like out on the floor and you're just like why is this team like not Mm -hmm. working and then is that like what people are like talking about too like you know we have this talent from all over and yet nothing is clicking into place exactly yeah, and, like, Kobe was a five-star recruit out of high school, and he's grown, but, like, I don't know. It seems like they have all the pieces. It just doesn't get put together correctly. Yeah. That's uh, – it's just so frustrating to watch that and wonder why it's not coming together. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like Michigan football fans are used to that, but we haven't seen it for a while in basketball <laughs> now. <laughs> um, Definitely. So when it comes to this team – I want to know a little bit more about the players, just in terms of their dynamics, their personalities. I'm sure you're in plenty of press conferences. What stands mm-hmm. out to you about the players as people? Um, I mean, I think that, like, you see it on Twitter, but Hunter loves to play the villain and <laughs> will, like, does, does it in every press conference. I, before the Michigan State game, he was talking about how, like, he didn't expect to go in there and and sing kumbaya with the fans i think was his uh <laughs> his his quote and so um you know he's he's willing to be the villain and every time that we travel to cover the team like um the opposing fans are just screaming at him when when we were in maryland which is like where he's from uh this the opposing student section was just yelling at him the, every time he touched the ball um so yeah he's He's a character, definitely. It just reminds me of, like, Andrew Dockage, like, went to Ohio State, and every single time he touched the ball at that, like, Michigan-Ohio State home game, like, they 
entire place would just start booing him. Was that so was funny. so funny, yeah, exactly. but also so different because Andrew Dockage wasn't good. <laughs> so it's just like a different dynamic. It's so true. Yeah. It just made me think of it, you know? Just like being silly goofy like that. Um, I think like uh, for other players, like um, Doug, one of the freshmen, he's he's hilarious. I love talking to him. Um, but him and Terrace Reed apparently are roommates and they... They get into some hijinks, I guess. They're very funny. Hijinks. <laughs> Play the saxophone so together. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what they're doing, but uh, they they love to mention that they're roommates. That's really cute. Um, cool. Anything else about the players before we ask you some other questions? Yeah, I guess one other thing is that, like, um, they the team's been going with more of this big lineup recently with Hunter and Terrace on the floor together, which Hunter has played a lot with other centers um, during his time. And Terrace called it thump and bump, the thump and bump lineup the other day, which I, I think the whole room was laughing. That was incredible. Um, so now there's a debate um, between the four of us beat writers, uh, which one is thump and which one is bump. <laughs> That's so funny. It's so true. We're going to have to, like, think about it and get back to you. I think Harley and I called it the double noodle lineup. <laughs> two players on the floor who are shaped like a noodle. I like that. I love that. <laughs> um, Harley, do you want to go ahead? Or is there something else you were about to say? Oh, no. I was like, of course. I don't know which one would be the thump and which one would be the bump of the two. And I'm going to spend the rest of my night thinking about that. I think... I think my answer was that Hunter was the thump and Terrace was the bump. Do you have, like, an explanation behind I that? Think or is it just a gut it, feeling? It's definitely a gut feeling, but I feel like Hunter is just much more, like, um... Thumpy. The, you know, like, the dominant... Yeah, he's, he's the dominating one out there, and, and Terrace just comes along behind and, like, bump, bumps you. Yeah, oh, I can see that for sure. Yeah. Hunter's always thumping. I was going to say, that was, like, my gut feeling was that, yeah, if he's going to be the villain, you kind of want to, like, thump your people, you know? Exactly. And then you, when you're a freshman, you kind of just, like, bump around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Glad we reached a conclusion there. we go. There. We figured it out already <laughs> ourselves. That's <Yeah>, so true. <laughs> They're going to get online and be like, y'all were wrong. Okay. <laughs> so... Sorry, I'm, like, circling back. We're kind of going out of order. Um, do you okay. do you have any thoughts on Juwan in the coaching direction in general and whether Michigan is measuring up to the success that they had in the beatline era? I know Juwan brought in expectations of a different kind of success, so it's a little bit difficult to compare, but what are your thoughts on just the state of the program right now? Yeah, I mean, if you look at, like, their postseason success so far, like, they've been to six consecutive Sweet 16s, which dewan has been here for three now, so that's, like, half of the consecutive ones. That's true. Um, which, in terms of that, like, that's that's a pretty good, pretty good statistic in the postseason. But I think just, like, this, this narrative of struggling against these lower-ranked teams or unranked teams, like Central and... Last year they lost to Tarleton State. Like I think we're just seeing this pattern that's emerging between last season and this season. And you know, there's there's talk now that like are they even going to make the the tournament right now? Um, mm-hmm. They're sitting at like what eleven and ten, like barely above above five hundred. They're five and five in the conference. Um, yeah, I definitely think 
if Juwan's not gone, he's definitely on the hot seat. Like, there's there's got to be something that happens because these these two seasons are just too close to to each other right now. So you think after this season, if Michigan doesn't make the tournament, mm-hmm. the hot seat conversations will be happening this year? I think so. I I think okay. it's an ex I think it's an expectation that Michigan makes the tournament at this point. I don't think that they're allowed not to right now. Yeah, that's definitely fair. I mean, with all of the success they've had recently and also just the talent that's on the team, there's no reason for them not to. Yeah. And we worked all our way to be a blue blood finally and look at us. <laughs> Is that how blue bloods work? Can you work your way to be a blue blood? No, I don't. <laughs> I, we worked our way up to the very top to be amongst all of them. <laughs> We earned it, and now we have fallen from grace. We're so sad. (laughs) How are we supposed to? How am I supposed to show my face? (laughs) So, in terms of covering Michigan basketball, how do you handle? And I think we got into this a little bit at the beginning, but do you feel like there's pressure to know it all, especially like you're covering a, a men's sport, and it's mostly men covering the sport. As a woman covering the sport, do you feel like there are additional pressures, um, whether they're external or internal? And if so, how do you make maintain confidence? Yeah, definitely. That's a that's a great question. Um, I think I feel a lot of self inflicted pressure. Definitely um, trying to just be the best reporter that I can be, but also just. I think there's like a lot of societal pressure around being a woman in a male dominated sport or even just field like there aren't a ton of female sports reporters out there. Um and so it can it can be challenging to walk into a room and see only maybe one other woman, sometimes none. Luckily there's another woman on the beat with me, so she's been a great a great resource. Um and I think that we you know, walk into rooms together and um just try to help each other at every time we can. Um, but it it can be hard to feel confident in some of the things that you're writing. I mean, I wrote, like, I wrote a film breakdown last night, and I was, as I was writing it, I was like, do I know enough about this sport to be writing this? And I had to re- reassure myself that, like, yeah, I played basketball in high school, and I grew up around it. And, um, you know, just because I'm a woman covering men's basketball doesn't mean that I can't have an opinion and say what I want to say about it. Um, but I think that like the paper in general has been super supportive and all the other outlets that we see regularly have also been super nice to us. So, um, I don't think it's from anyone specific definitely, but I think there's definitely some like societal pressure in there. Yeah. When you just don't see the representation and you are often are the only woman in the world or only woman in the world. You are the only woman in the, <laughs> the world. world. <laughs> um, the only woman in the room. That that makes so much sense. Um, I also just think there's almost this bias that you have to overcome as a woman where when you start talking mm-hmm. about sports, you have to counteract everyone's assumption that you don't know what you're talking about. And maybe that's just my internal interpretation of how people perceive things but I know like Harley and I have made an intentional choice on this podcast to target it towards a woman audience so we're not Mm -hmm. trying to sound like the male podcasters that are out there and we sound a little goofy sometimes and I know that because we're not making this choice to try to talk how men talk and analyze things the way men analyze things there is going to be an assumption that we don't know what we're talking about. And sometimes we don't like, sometimes we genuinely don't know what we're talking about, but it it is definitely like in such a male dominated field, the minute they hear a woman's voice, 
it's like you have to prove something that a man wouldn't have to prove. Definitely, definitely. I even like even in some of my classes when I mention that like I write for the daily or I cover men's basketball, like there have been guys in my classes that are shocked and like want to quiz me on all of these different things and I'm like go go read my stuff then. Like I I do yeah. know what I'm talking <laughs> about here like um but it it's definitely been challenged before. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's always the quizzing. Exactly. It's always the quizzing. Who won player of the week like eight years ago? Tell me every basketball player ever. (laughs) Sometimes if like men are talking about sports in a social setting, I just pretend I don't know anything about sports because I'm like, I honestly don't want to be included in the boys conversation i want to be in the girls let's conversation. just start quizzing them back because they don't have the answers <laughs> i know name every wnba team like they don't know the answers to that yeah <laughs> so true that's what i'll hit them back with next time <laughs> um what has been the greatest challenge that you've faced covering this team um i mean i definitely think it's just um balancing being a college student and being a a, a student journalist, um, you know, a lot of the other journalists that we see, like, this is their full-time job, and I'm also trying to go to class on top of all of it, so that's, I think that's just a student journalism problem in general. Um, yeah, but I think, um, I mean, I think what we talked about earlier about being a woman in this space, like, it's just something I'm always conscious of, um, and that just, it can be very draining to constantly be thinking about something like that when you know that the men in the room aren't thinking about things like that and you know like how I'm how I'm asking questions to players and how I'm emailing different um, high school coaches to try and get uh, interviews and just even talking to Jawan like how am I phrasing questions um, that's all stuff that I I think deeply about and I just don't know if the other guys in the room are doing that always. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And what would you say overall that your experience has been covering this team? I mean, it's been incredible. This is like a dream come true. Um, growing up a Michigan sports fan, like being in the behind the scenes, I, I feel like I call my parents after every interaction I have with the team and I'm like, guess what we did today? Like, the, I've I've gone to some really cool games and I've you know, even just, like, talking to Jawan, like, telling people that is, is so cool that I, like, I mm-hmm. see him face-to-face weekly. is just incredible. That is incredible. That's so cool. I'm so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I met him once, and I was so scared. <laughs> so, you said you grew up as a Michigan fan. Did you grow up, like, specifically a Michigan basketball fan? Um, I mean, like, all Michigan sports in general. I obviously have watched football since I was, like could watch tv i think um yeah. but yeah i love i love michigan basketball i during when they were in the final four in oh, whatever year that was my family was like in disney world and i was with my dad in the corner of some disney place like watching the game on his phone instead of partaking in disney like i love i love basketball in general That's so, cute. so yeah do you do you have like a formative moment of when you truly became a michigan basketball fan or did was it just always in the background? I'm trying to see if you had the same formative moment as Harley and I did. <laughs> um, hmm. What's our formative moment? Oh, do you not know, Harley? <laughs> no. What our collective formative moment was. I was going to say the, the 2013 Final Four, which I don't know if that's the one you were that talking about. Just so now, true. 
No, they just talking about 2018. Was that the one? I guess we No, was 2013 the one against Louisville? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that one. Definitely. Um, so it's every everyone's formative moment. <laughs> I also think it's just like <laughs> just like Trey Burke as a player was like the first player that I think I could like <laughs> name and you know, mm-hmm. I like bought his Jazz jersey when he was there and yeah. yeah. That was such a fun team, and it was also right yeah. when social media, I guess social media had been around, but I just remember following all of those players on Instagram, and Instagram mm-hmm. was fairly new, and it was so fun and exciting to be able to see them as actual human beings in addition to athletes. It just brought a whole new dimension mm-hmm. to being a fan. Absolutely. Now that I like, think about it, I just remember everyone, like, I didn't really follow college football, like, at all, and until like I was in high school and I just remember everybody talking about this white boy that could shoot and that was Spike Albrecht (laughs) and I was like oh everybody's talking about this kid so I'm gonna watch basketball like everybody else because you know people were talking about Spike in Virginia yes in Virginia they were talking about Spike wow I mean you know classic suburb Virginia like full of white people like (laughs) you see someone who can play ball like you're gonna rally behind them <laughs> and so I just wanted to see what people were talking about it just so happened to be on Michigan and I was like I, I already love Michigan so this is an easy sell for me I remember my dad showed me a video of Mitch McGarry singing a Justin Bieber song and I fell in love right then and there <laughs> <laughs> Harley so do you want to ask Abby the like rapid fire fun fact questions we have at the end they don't have to be rapid or fiery they can just be whatever pace we'll you want it and fiery yeah. okay <laughs> so you know we did like a whole episode like breaking down pretty much picking like who your favorite player would be my usual default is any whoever the pointing whoever the point guard is that is usually my favorite player so i would like to ask you who is your favorite player on the team I, maybe why i think it's will cheddar um i love his last name first of all it's, it's very cool <laughs> um the we really want to use it in a headline someday um like a great cheese pun um but he's also just like a fun player to watch he plays very scrappy and is always like on the floor for some reason and like diving and uh taking a charge or something and um he just like brings brings life to the team sometimes it's his birthday today it is his birthday that that too I've heard he's like one of those like people that will, like when everybody else is kind of like sad down when they're not doing well that he's still playing at like 110 percent yeah so like I respect that yes he goes hard all the time he's also like a great hype man I think so do you also agree with the free the cheese narrative <laughs> um people really people really want him to play a lot yeah from I mean, what I can see I think I think he's been a key piece so far um and I think he's gonna get more playing time um, I think him and Joey Baker coming off the bench and kind of splitting that time is is really good for them. Um, and Terrence has been doing a little bit better, but when Terrence is doing poorly, I think Will's a good yeah good sub. Good substitute. Okay. <laughs> Did one mean? Um, these are like my like favorite questions to ask. Um, where's like your favorite place to go? Hang out on campus, or maybe like grab a bite to eat, or wherever <laughs> we like to be nostalgic here at least us two do 
Definitely. Um, I've been very into Potbelly recently on State Street. Um, <laughs> that's been like my go-to food place recently. But like my favorite building on campus is definitely the the building that the Daily's in. Um, it's like the student publication building or something. But I'm just I'm there at least two to three times a week, if not like every night, and it's just very uh, very nostalgic. And as a senior, I'm just trying to cherish those moments, you know. So true. I don't think I've ever gotten to that building. I think I've parked behind it a bunch of times. It's right by where I used to live. I used to go in there yeah. sometimes because I wrote for Shay. Do they still have that, the fashion magazine? Yes, they do. Yeah, I wrote for Shay, and then I also, like, sometimes wrote for The Daily. I did, like, opinion, and my columns sucked. <laughs> they were so bad. <laughs> Didn't you have a column on glitter or something? Yes, I that did. One, that one came back recently for some reason. It was like on the most read, and I was like looking at it, and it was from I, not like a long Why time ago, but earth? not recent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I remember. I like, I signed up to be an opinion writer, which I mean, it was really fun. I love writing, but I just think the co- the concept of writing opinion columns was like every week I had to form an opinion about something that people weren't already saying. So I would think of the most mm-hmm. like random things that I could write about and none of them were things I felt very strongly about I was just trying to like come up with an opinion no one else could come up with and now I look back on them and I'm like why are those out there (laughs) hey you know you're still making waves there I guess so opinions of glitter that's very funny I'm so glad that you're still relevant (laughs) (laughs) all right and then you know I've honestly forgotten that like snow exists up here in California and I saw all the things and had major FOMO about the snowball fight one did you go or two who do you think on the team would win in a snowball fight I did not go to the snowball fight but I wish I had because the new president was there and I would just love to like throw a snowball at anybody that's in charge um (laughs) (laughs) I love that (laughs) I he's great I love him but um you know, it would it would just be more fun than throwing snowballs at, like, your acquaintances from class. Um, <laughs> but in terms of the team, I'm going to go a little rogue here, and I think it's Phil Martelli. I feel like he, like, oh. he wouldn't join in, and he'd be like, no, I'm not playing, you know, like, I'm, I'm serious, I'm, like, an older man. And then he'd just, like, jump in at the end and just, like, destroy everyone without them really understanding what's happening, and I think it would be awesome. That is I can t- so I good. I can totally see it. I can totally see it. <laughs> and that would be... We need that story pronto. That's awesome. Yeah, Santa Ono is, like, my favorite person. And, like, I... Sad that he wasn't my president. And I'm sad that I have to reflect on who was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so what has been, like, your favorite, like, memory? Maybe, like... I'll extend it back to, like, each of your years, like, covering, like, if there was, like, even if it wasn't the mission, like, men's basketball team, like, maybe it was another team that was just, like, your favorite memory, like, covering them, or your favorite game that you've gone to or traveled to, just wanted to know. Yeah, um, Which one? last year I was writing about women's basketball, and I got the chance to go to Wichita, Kansas for their Sweet 16 and Elite Eight games, and it was just the most incredible experience ever. We, like, uh, five or six of us piled in a car and drove like 17 hours to Kansas and um, you know it was just like it was history making which was so cool to write off of 
Um, but so amazing to like be in the behind the scenes of that. Like March Madness has such a fanfare around it and everyone knows it's happening. And it was just incredible to be a part of it. And I remember like after the Elite Eight game, after everyone else had left, we were like still in the in the arena and there was still confetti all over the floor and all of us were like making confetti snow angels and Aww. throwing it throwing it at each other and it was just it was a surreal experience and it was incredible so true those events are so fun they were so cool we went, yeah when we went to the final four and it's just a different level of being a sports fan just going to any of those events definitely that's so cool that you got to go to see the women's team do that Wow, I'm so jealous. <laughs> You're so with me. Um, yeah, any place, like, in conference that you've gone to that's, like, really, like, fun or, like, maybe, like, they're, like, super, like, aggressive or, like, a little loud and obnoxious, but, like, you still, like, respect the game? Yeah, um, I got to go to the Breslin this year for the Michigan State game, and that was incredible. I've, I've like, been to the Breslin quite a few times, but never for men's basketball, and so to see the Izone, like, filled as this, like, sea of white t-shirts was incredible, and it was so loud, and they hated Hunter Dickinson so much, and it was, like, it was just a, it was such a cool, again, such a cool experience to, like, I've watched these on TV for so long during my life, and to, like, be there in person was incredible. I'm so proud of you. That's very brave because I'd be terrified <laughs> of going. <laughs> it's like the Breslin and like the shoe. I will never step foot in there. Because <laughs> I know I'd probably get in trouble. Yeah, we like got to talk to Tom Izzo afterwards, which like I'm not the biggest Tom Izzo fan, but it was so cool. Who to, like, is? I, exactly. It was so cool <laughs> to like be in the presence of like this basketball great and get to like hear him speak in person that is really cool you have really earned yourself a lot of really cool experiences where even though it sounds like you're not planning on going to sports journalism as a full-time job after college the fact that you have these stories and experiences that you can carry with you forever like you'll be watching games with people and be like oh yeah I've talked to him I've interviewed him I've written a story about him that's such a cool thing to be able to say you worked your way up to and were able to do yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think, like, the majority of the people that write for the sports section at the Daily, like, don't want to be journalists, and I think that's just, like, the coolest opportunity that we can give people is to, like, do these things that they've dreamed of for forever, but, you know, don't want to do as this, like, long-term career, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm just, like, so thankful that I fell into it. Yeah, that is really awesome. What a great way to use your time in college to have that experience that you'll probably never have again. And like you earned every bit of it. It's not easy to work your way up there. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Well, thank you so much, Abby. You are Mm -hmm. like, you know your stuff and you are so well-spoken. I'm jealous of your Mm -hmm. ability to piece together coherent thoughts. I hate to learn from (laughs) you, but this was awesome. I'm officially a fan of yours. Oh, thank you. I def- I practiced earlier, so it's not all off the cuff, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, well, everybody out there, please read her work. Oh, Abby, do I you want to say any of your, like, social media handles or anything? Yeah, that too. Sure. My Twitter is abst, like, abst1616 after Denard Robinson. Um, <laughs> Love that. And my... Um, 
I'm just like Abby Telgenhoff on the Michigan Daily. I think it's the michigandaily.com slash Abby Telgenhoff is my author page. So you can find all my stuff there. Cool. And we'll make sure to link all of that in the description of the podcast as well. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week for more Michigan basketball content. Go Blue. Go Blue.